Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. We are kicking off a brand new sermon series today called Instimacy. Yes, you heard that right, Instimacy. But before we do that, just a couple of announcements first. Our lead pastor, Michael, was really excited to be here today to kick this series off for all of us. But unfortunately, his entire family caught the stomach bug yesterday. Stomach bug, not coronavirus. We are okay. It's perfectly fine. But... They're not here today because they're all recovering and getting well. Uh, And also, we had a bunch of people talk to us in the last few days because last week we had an awesome time up here with a professional Christian counselor, a great mental health conversation. But in the last few days, a lot of people had follow-up questions. And so we just want to quickly address four of those follow-up questions and then give you information about how you can get more information if you want. So the first question, which really is a great question, um, how do you expect me to pay for this? Like, isn't counseling really expensive? So most health insurance companies will allow you to go visit with a mental health professional a few times a year. And if you follow up with your specific health insurance company and the plan that you have, they'll give you a list of mental health professionals that your insurance specifically supports. You can also head to psychologytoday.com, psychologytoday.com. You can use their Find a Therapist tool, and they will help you to match insurance counselors that are within your network. And then lastly, if you don't have insurance, and if paying out of pocket simply is out of the question for you, your best resource locally is MHA. You just heard about MHA. We support the Mental Health Association this quarter. They're a nonprofit, and they offer wonderful free services. The second question is, do we as collective only recommend Christian counselors? And full disclosure, as a church, we do recommend Christian counselors, but we also have information on non-Christian counselors as well, because we want to meet you where you are comfortable. Your journey is different than the journey of the person sitting next to you, and that's okay, and we want to embrace you where you're at. The third question is, what do I do if I think I need more than counseling? Well, counseling is often the first step to figuring out what your specific needs are. So as you're dealing with pain or trauma or your past, maybe you realize you need to see a psychiatrist or take a step into a residential treatment program or something similar. A counselor is the first step who can connect you to what you specifically need. And then our last question that we got a lot was, So who does this? Like, who can go to counseling? How old do you have to be? What kind of life experience do you have to have? And the answer very simply is yes. Like, everybody can go to counseling. And the conversation we had last week was specifically in this room geared towards sixth grade and up. But elementary age children can absolutely go to counseling. So if your child has experienced trauma or they have difficulty regulating attention, mood, behavior, social skills, coping skills, any of those kind of things, you as the parent can step in and lead for your family and say, hey, we're going to work together with your pediatrician and we're going to find an option that works really well for all of us. 
And if you have more questions, you can email info at mycollective.church. Feel free to take a picture of it up here behind me. And we're going to do our best to answer all of the questions that you have or put you in touch with somebody who can answer your specific questions. And just remember, this is a step. This is a journey. And there is no one-size-fits-all approach to mental health. But what's really cool is, and something that is worth celebrating, over 50 people last week took a step towards seeking out a professional counselor. That is something that is awesome and something to be celebrated. And it's just the beginning of the conversation, which is really cool. But let's segue. Let's talk about intimacy. And I saw the article with the title, Is This the Cure for the Loneliness Epidemic? I got to be honest, I was curious, and so I clicked. And what I found was very interesting, a story about a company called Rent a Friend. This is real. There is a website dedicated to where people pay people to be their friend. And this is what the website says, rent a friend wherever you are all over the world, you can rent local friends to hang out with. Go have dinner, movies, restaurants, go to a party or event simply to show you around a new town. And so the author detailed how he spent $47 to rent a friend to go to a movie with and hang out together in New York City. Some of you might be thinking, hey, this is kind of cool. Some of you are like, nope, I'm out already. This is not cool. But if you know those awkward conversations are coming at Thanksgiving about when are you finally going to get married, you can avoid all of that with $47. I was in that boat for many, many years. That's easy, $47 to spend. It's a bizarre article, and it's also kind of sad But it makes sense because we feel and we understand this loneliness epidemic. I mean, it shouldn't be overwhelmingly surprising. There was a woman named Samantha Hess on the West Coast. She founded Cuddle Up to Me. And her entire living is connecting people who want platonic cuddling. And there is such a thing as a professional cuddler that you can hire. It's crazy. It sounds like a 21st century movie, but it's not. This is the America that we're living in. And this makes sense. And the Bible kind of confirms all of these things. We already know and feel this. We're not meant to be alone. The Bible addresses this from the very beginning. Genesis, the first book of the Bible, tells us that God recognized it's not good for you. It's not good for me to be alone. We are designed to be in relationships and have community together. But we live in this really unique moment in history where even though we're the most connected we've ever been, we're also the most lonely we've ever been. Cigna Health Insurance, their loneliness index, recently reported that half of Americans say they feel left out. Two in five Americans say that the relationships aren't meaningful. I mean, 60 of us right here in this room would say, I don't have meaningful relationships. 30 of us would say, I rarely or never feel close to the people that I'm around. And 38 of us sitting here in this room would say, I have zero close friends. 
And there's a lot of reasons why people feel this way. Work is taking on more importance in our culture, so we invest a lot more in those shallow workplace relationships that we have. Now, my dissertation, the really big long paper that I wrote was about workplace relationships. I geek out about this like crazy. You don't want to open that can of worms because it's almost 200 pages that I could just spit out to all of you. You're not my wife or my dog, so you don't have to pretend to care to listen. Not that I would ever own a dog anyways, but just stop me now before I get started. People are moving more frequently, which makes it harder to dig and invest in the good relationships. People are getting divorced more often, and divorced friends, if you have any, they may tell you, we're not just dividing up the couch and the TV, we're dividing up our friends. And oftentimes, people who are in that situation say, hey, I don't want to choose, this is really awkward for me, so I'm just piecing out altogether, and that relationship with all parties dissolves. We're talking more online and less in person, and sociologists have realized and they clue into when we are in real relationships with people, we're losing our ability to be able to communicate and connect together. We put up our walls to attempt to show that we have this great social media presence and this version of ourselves, and we have Facebook friends and Instagram followers, but does anybody actually know us? I'm going to pause for just a minute. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something that may make you lose respect for me. I've done this before in the past. I did this once before in the past. So some of you may have heard this, but just as a gentle reminder, I don't like pets, like any and all pets. I don't like them. Your pet, I don't like it. I will still come to your house. Yes, that's fine. I just don't like pets. They're not cuddly. They're not cute. They're annoying. I don't like them. But just to take that the next step further, I'm a Justin Bieber fan. I'm a Justin Bieber fan. I think he makes great music. Now, listen, don't send me any hate mail, okay? I'm not endorsing his whole entire life. I'm just saying he makes good music, and it makes me want to dance, and it makes me feel good. I'm a Justin, 35-year-old man, Justin Bieber fan, and he just came out with a new song on the radio, and the, the first line is, picture perfect, you don't need no filter. So Instagram is influencing our music, and 13-year-old girls and one 35-year-old guy are eating this stuff up, but I think it's great. The average American has 300 Facebook friends and only two real friends. I'm not telling you something that you don't already feel in your own life. We're more connected, but we have less intimacy than ever. The University of Copenhagen, a few years ago, they did a study. They took 1,100 people, split them in half, and with the first half, they said, we want you to carry on with your social media habits as normal. And with the other half, they agreed, they volunteered to give up any and all social media. And they came back to all of the participants one week later. And one week later, the participants who gave up social media said, I have higher life satisfaction and a better view of myself. Another study shows that for 19 to 32-year-olds, how much time you spend on social media of choice directly correlates to the possibility that you're going to be clinically depressed. So if you're battling feelings of depression this morning, one great thing that you can do is shut down social media for a while and see what happens. Now let me put you at ease. My goal is not to convince you to delete all of your social media in this series. 
What we want to take a step towards is how do we figure out and engage in healthy friendships? How do we get real intimacy in an Instagram world? And maybe when you hear that word intimacy, you're squirming a little bit inside because we naturally assume physical touch. The first definition of the word intimacy is emotional closeness. And that is what we want to dig into in this series. How do I become emotionally close to another person? How do I choose who I'm going to be emotionally close with? Because no offense to all of you, I'm not going to be emotionally close with every single one of you. How do I have healthy friendships so that people don't just walk all over me? Do I need to end a friendship? What in the world does that look like? And we have this major falling out. We're trying to put the pieces back together, and I have no idea what to do. We're going to dig into all of this because culture tells us if you can't find a friend, if you don't have a friend, rent one online. So we need to take a step back and look at what God says about how to approach healthy friendships. So we have one main verse to today, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in times of need. This is pretty straightforward, but to say it another way, loyalty is the pinnacle of friendship because when everybody walks out or when I give you a reason to give up on me, you're still there. The verse says brother, but ultimately brother from that context into our present day context simply means brother or sister in Christ. A deep friendship. The type of friendship where when things go wrong, you are still there for me. When things go wrong in my life, I don't need somebody to double tap my picture. I have no idea what that means. I'm not on Instagram. I assume that's an Instagram thing. Lead Pastor Michael wrote that line. I don't know what double tap means, but I don't need that in my life. If I throw up something on Facebook and you're like, hey, praying for you with that praying hands emoji, I don't need that. My phone is so old, it can't even make that emoji anymore. (laughs) I need somebody who's going to be real with me and just be with me. Somebody who's going to show me some loyalty. Somebody who was born for adversity. Anybody can be my friend when times are great. That's really easy. But I want somebody who sticks with me. And the person who wrote this proverb that we just read is a guy named King Solomon. And I think this is just me talking. I can't prove this. But I think when he wrote this, he was thinking about his dad. His dad is a guy named David. You may have heard of him. David, who killed Goliath, eventually became King David. And David was a fiercely loyal friend. And there's a great story that illustrates this. So Saul was the original king of Israel. And then Saul intentionally chose to do things that distance himself between him and God. And so God recognized this and God comes to David and he says, hey, you're going to replace Saul and you're going to be my new king of Israel. And when Saul hears this, of course, this isn't great news. So he kind of snaps and he spends the rest of his life trying to kill David. But in the meantime, while this is happening, Saul's son, the rightful heir to the throne, a guy named Jonathan, strikes up a friendship with David. It's a very unlikely friendship. And for years, uh, for years, David evades Saul's capture. And so finally, both Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle. 
It's David's turn. He is the rightful heir to the throne. And so when David's kingdom is established, he asks all of his officials, he's like, hey, are there any descendants of Saul that are still alive? And they come back to him. They say, yeah, there's this one guy. His name is Mephibosheth. David says, bring him to me. So they go and find him. And and the Bible tells us a really important detail about Mephibosheth. When he was five, his nurse dropped him. And from then on, he was crippled for the rest of his life and he could barely walk. And so David summons this guy in and he comes before the king's throne. And if you know about the culture, this is when he probably starts to get really nervous because what kings would do at that time, they would eliminate the entire bloodline, kill the previous king and descendants so that nobody else could take the throne back. And so Mephibosheth is summoned, and he's standing before the king, and David asks him, are you the guy? He says, yep, I'm him. And David says, this is what I'm going to do. I made an oath with your dad, my best friend, Jonathan, that we were going to be loyal to each other and to our families. So this is your home. My home is your home. You eat at my table. The best food, the best place to live, that's yours. Someone who is crippled, someone who in that society should have been an outcast and also should have been slaughtered. Not only did that not happen, but he was welcomed into the king's table for the rest of his life. And this is because David was a loyal person, a loyal friend. So when we read Proverbs 17, 17, it's very natural to think about David. And we all want that person in our life. Like, I want David. I want that friend. How can I get that David in my life? There's a guy named Andy Stanley. He's a pastor down in Georgia. And he he says this in terms of dating, but it applies universally to friendship as well. Andy Stanley says, become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. It is a time change Sunday. So we're going to roll that back one more time and just go through that once more. Become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. And this is great advice for dating. And oftentimes single people say, this is who I'm looking for. This is what I am looking for in a future relationship. But the way that you find that person is to focus on becoming the person that they are looking for. That way, when you meet that special somebody, it's not happenstance or accident, but you know it happens because you have been working on becoming the person who you are looking for is looking for. And this isn't just about dating. This is much bigger than that. Side note, if you are single, you should write that down or very clearly at least take a picture of it. Uh, if, if you're single and ready to mingle, don't just do this with your phone. Put that thing up high. Just kind of announce it to the world. I'm here. Strong, independent woman. Men, step up. <laughs> but whoever you are, this is great advice for friendships. So here's the big idea. Here's this big biblical wisdom. Get ready. Buckle up. Be a great friend. Proverbs 17, 17. Be a great friend. The way you get a great friend is to be a great friend. There's a couple of different ways that we want to dig into this more specifically. And the first one is a great friend initiates. You need to initiate. 
I talk to people of all different ages. I work with college students, and I oftentimes hear boredom creep in, or I'm bored, or I don't have anything to do. And what they're really saying is, I wish somebody would plan something that I think is fun so that I can show up. But they don't initiate anything. And our culture, if you think about it, has kind of taught us not to. It's not good or bad. It's just inherently it is what it is. But if you're a student, you don't have to initiate very much. Middle school, high school, you're grouped with hundreds of people who are just like you, the same stage in life. You go to classes together, work on projects together, join a team, maybe have a job, maybe do student ministry together. And then in college, you're in the dorms or as a community college employee, you go to class together. That filters into your major, maybe intramurals, but everybody's in the same age and same stage of life. And then you get out to the real world after college is over and you meet your coworker and they're talking to you about how excited they are to be a, grand, a grandparent. And you're like, well, I can't connect with that. And then somebody tells you that they're looking at a house to buy and you're like, well, that sounds really boring. And somebody else is really excited because they're getting married. And you're like, yo, can I please just find somebody who's cool that I can hang out with? And so our culture trains us to just kind of fall into happenstance of relationship. And then once you get into your 20s, Life all of a sudden becomes really hard and really lonely. One of my loneliest times in life was in my 20s. I didn't know how to initiate good friendships. You got to pay money to join a sports league. You got to initiate something to happen with people who are here at Collective. 1 John 3.18 tells us, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Don't just say that you want good friends. Be somebody who initiates making friendships happen. It's frustrating when I hear people complain, oh, I was left out or I didn't get invited to, which, yes, that is a very big bummer. But the response to that is you can plan and you can initiate something. I would also tell you not to assume. Oh, they have so many friends. I'm not sure if they need me in their life. I don't really know how much we have in common. Don't assume, just initiate a friendship. So let me give you some possible tangible ways this week that you might be able to initiate a new or deeper friendships. For some of us in the room, that means joining our team or joining a collective, one of our small groups that meet throughout the week. And I know some of you are thinking like, oh, a bunch of strangers and just me. Nope, not happening. Bring somebody with you. Maybe you need to initiate with your neighbor, and this could be a little bit awkward, but maybe you need to make them a, a plate of cookies and say, hey, I know this is kind of weird, but we've lived next to each other for two years, and I still have no idea what your name is. Maybe you need to start a spiritual conversation with a coworker and say, hey, I don't know how you feel about all this, but I want to invite you or you and your family to my church. It's a really great experience. I think you're going to love it. If you know that you specifically need to grow, maybe your step is to grab somebody who's just a little bit wiser than you are and say, I want you to ask me these two specific questions every single week because I need some accountability. I'm trying to grow closer to Jesus. I just need a little bit of help to get me there. And the last example is maybe you got a great group of friends. Like life really is awesome. You enjoy each other's company. It's fun. It's great. But that friendship isn't regular. You need to be the person to say, 
We're going to make this time regular, and it's going to be a part of the rhythm of our life. And sure, we'll talk about the hope of spring and how excited we are about fill in the blank, but I also want to get to know you and have some real deep conversations. The last thing that I will tell you about initiating friendship is don't assume awkwardness is bad. This happens in my textbooks. I teach it in communication and relational development. There is a time when it is going to get awkward in a new friendship or going deeper in an existing friendship. And oftentimes we bump up against it and it gets weird and we bounce out because we don't know what to do. It's a natural part of relational development. Don't get scared of the awkwardness. Embrace it and move past the awkwardness. The next thing I want you to write down or to take a picture of is this. A great friend listens. This is something I've kind of realized recently. We value people that we can vent to. And it's an important step in relational development because we can't just vent to anybody. Like if I tell you something, I don't know, are you going to post it online? Are you going to gossip about it? Are you going to tell this person who tells this person who tells this person? But when you study wisdom in the Bible, a repeated thing that comes up is how well we listen. Listen to wisdom. We should be quick to listen. There is wisdom in many counselors. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. So that means if people have our best interests at heart, if they're pointing us towards Jesus, even if they tell us things that are hard that we don't like to hear, that we don't want to hear, we still listen. I describe that as your best friend stab you in the front. And half of the time when we say that we're venting, we're not actually really venting. We're just kindly disguising it. But what we're really doing is gossiping. And if all that you do is vent or if all that you do is gossip, that's not friendship. That's narcissism. And so that's why Proverbs 17, 17 tells us a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in times of need. When we choose to listen, we engage in humility. We put somebody else first. And when we tell that person you are worth listening to, that's friendship. And this is why I'm telling you all of this. You have never heard somebody say, man, I love this person because they just vent and complain all the time. It's great. You don't hear that, but what you hear is, she's a great listener. He's a good friend because he listens to me. There's a guy named Job in the Bible. If you don't know his whole entire life story, it's a whole book in the Old Testament, but his life falls apart in really magnanimous ways, and he has three friends that come to visit him, and they say some crazy things to him, but the first thing they do, they sit in silence with him for seven days. And so over and over again in the Bible, we see examples of how listening is really important. John 15, 13 tells us there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And the greatest example of this and what this looks like in terms of friendship is what Jesus did for us. Jesus initiated that relationship when we all needed it the most. Romans 5.8 tells us God shows his great love for us by sending Christ to us while we were still sinners. While we still had things in our life that separated us from God, God still chose to initiate and come down to us. And this is why we don't have to get right first to come to God. We don't have to clean ourselves up to know all the answers. 
may be embarrassed and ashamed about what you did last night, but grace is still here and it's offered to you. Don't let somebody tell you the lie that just because you messed up this week, you don't belong here. That's not true. Because of Jesus, I have the relationship with God that I was intended to have. And when I show that loyalty to others, it's actually deeper than being a good friend. It is expressing the Bible to another person. It's not just me honoring you to get a friend. That's shallow. I honor you because Christ honored me first. Even when I'm unfaithful to God, God is faithful to me and God honors me. Christian friendship is I'm going to pass on to you this tiny little bit of what Jesus has given me, the very best that I can. It's not based on rules. It's not rigid. It's a relationship. It's a life-giving relationship. And this is what God wants all of us to have through Jesus this morning. And so the deal this morning is not go do all these things and then come back. Complete this checklist and then come back. The deal is Jesus initiated relationship with each of us. And all we have to do to accept that is accept it. And then we have relationship with God. And that's why we say every single week, if you're interested in grace, if you're interested in home, in heaven, the best life right now through Jesus, check off baptism on your connection card. We'd love to talk to you about what that looks like. As we begin to wrap all this up this morning, please hear me. We don't want you to just have followers. We want you to have real, authentic friends. We don't want you to just have likes. We want to have somebody who will listen to you. We don't want to see you on rentafriend.com, and we definitely don't want people to just know about you. We want people to know you, the real, authentic you. Because this is what Jesus did for each of us. So because of that, what Jesus did for us, be the friend that the friend you are looking for is looking for. I said earlier in the book of Genesis, God recognized that it wasn't good for us to be alone. So he gave us each other. He gave us relationships. But just before the Bible tells us that, Genesis tells us God made us in his image We are made to be like God. And that means God values relationships. It's not good for us to be without relationships. It's not good for God to be without relationships. And what he wants nothing more is a relationship with you. Either for the very first time or brand new every single day. God initiated. From the very beginning of time, God initiated. He's always ready to listen. He's going to give you the friendship that you long for. He's there in times of need, and God is always loyal to all of us. Let's pray. God, if we're being honest, it just feels good to be liked, to have people notice us, to appreciate us. To be in company with people who make us feel like we matter. That feels good. And what's encouraging today is more than our friends, more than our family, more than this church, you are at the very center of that. From the very beginning of time, you have initiated a deep friendship with us. And I pray that we take advantage of that for the very first time or brand new every single day. That we can initiate and take that friendship with you. 
and follow an incredible journey. It's in your son's name. Amen.